One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the World Cricket Show, continuing on into 2013 in spite of overwhelming popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and with me in the studio tonight, having somehow managed to wangle himself a year's extension on his podcast contract, it's the bloke we all know as Tony Kerr. Good afternoon, Adam. Evening. Morning. How confused are you? It's seven o'clock at night. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah two days back at work and it feels like kind of the end of November already it's like I'm that tired already (laughs) well that's good to know yes there you go ahead of 50 minutes of fun oh yeah (laughs) Uh, good to know your energy levels are high two weeks off over Christmas and then two days uh, you know just to undo all that R&R that I had the worrying thing at this point is that there's a lot of year left isn't there (laughs) like already you're kind of looking ahead to the next Christmas period as the sort of break that you get. Have you got the January blues then? Are you suffering from a severe case of January blues? No. Although I was talking wistfully about last February, March today with someone. Because uh, I remember it being really sunny. Uh, it was really sunny last It was February, really March. nice. Yeah. And uh, so I've kind of, what I'm assuming is that it is now that, but it isn't, is it? We've got at least eight weeks of misery. <laughs> It's January the 8th, <laughs> so I'm not sure you can really start to think about like spring and summer at this point. We've got Blue Monday to look forward to, of course. I think it's January the 21st this year. It's what the, the scientists, the boffins, have uh, designated as uh, the most depressing day of the year, is the, the third Monday of January. So still a couple of weeks to go. can all look forward to that. I was talking about this with someone the other day. I was like, oh, 21st of January, Blue Monday, going to be the worst day of the year. And they were like, yeah, that's my birthday. Like, it's going to be a great day. It's <laughs> yeah, going to oh, be a lot of fun. Everyone will be buzzing for it. No, I don't know. I'm, ready. I'm, yeah, I'm just eager now for the summer to arrive. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a long way to go. Mm, yeah. There's lots, lots, there's lots to look forward to, though, isn't there, in the next few weeks? Is there? Yeah, not really. No, I'm kind of, yeah, eating healthy, you know, all this nonsense. It's boring. This is the thing. Like, This is why it's, it's so depressing. It's for New Year. Like, a lot of people have their New Year's resolutions. It's like, you know, I'm going to eat more healthily. I'm going to start, you know, doing exercise. It's a new regime, new year, new regime. New Year is at very much the wrong time of year because no one wants to go on a diet in January, do they? January is the one month of the year when you should be able to yeah. eat whatever you want because it's so depressing. It's start. Well, this is the thing. I'm, this is a continuation of my previous. You know, I took a, I took a little bit of a rest break over Christmas, obviously to indulge. But uh, but I've been going at this for a few months, so it is. Yeah, it's just kind of repicking it up. But yeah, start in September. That's yeah, the time. Yeah, New Year to start. in September. If I I might run for political office on the <laughs> basis good. that I move the new year to I'd vote for that I'd vote for that so yeah we've all come down with a case of the January blues here in the World Cricket Show studio I'll tell you what is not helping with my mood is uh, that the ice rink is still up outside my work 
listeners might remember something that's been driving me slowly mad is that they they put up this ice rink at about the beginning of December, like literally right outside where I work. And it was driving me mad because they only have about 15 songs that they just play on rotation. And it's all things from like 10 years ago, like Elton John's Are You Ready For Love, Avril Lavigne's Complicated and stuff like that. But also they do play Christmas songs and they're still playing Christmas songs. (laughs) It's January the 8th. If I have to hear John Lennon's So This Is Christmas one more time, I'm going to effing lose it i'll tell that you that's pretty much. maddening i can yeah i don't I like that song anyway but you can't play christmas songs on the 8th of january i can't i, I honestly i can't do it anymore i can't put up with it anymore because not only do they have the same 15 songs but they have them on the same rotation so I, i'm now like aware of what comes next you know that when so this is christmas finishes it's going to be dancing on the ceiling and i can't deal with that anymore whoa what a feeling they do this in prisons to people. They don't do. They? I was watching it's some how they Homeland. break people. Yeah, I was watching some Homeland over Christmas, and uh, yeah, there was a, there's a kind of scene in that with some use of music and you know stress, kind of uh, yeah stress tortures. It's pretty much what you're going through. Yeah, I've been going through it since like the first week of December. You, have you got some information that someone's trying to get out? Of you? You think <laughs> you're, gonna, this, you're gonna blab now. I'm just gonna blurt it all yeah. out on this. What podcast. are you plotting? Just one hour, just blurt out like my bank details, <laughs> mother's maiden name, and stuff like that on the yeah. internet. It's uh, someone's playing a long con on me. Anyway, so, yeah, we're all a bit depressed is what we're saying at the moment. Uh, But if there's one thing that's guaranteed to lift even the most deflated of spirits, it's cricket. Uh, There's a hell of a lot of cricket what's been happening around the world this week. And we're going to talk about most of it on the show today. South Africa and New Zealand played out an extraordinary test match in Cape Town. Uh, Australia completed a 3-0 whitewash of Sri Lanka. India and Pakistan contested a landmark ODI series, and England have played a couple of warm-up 50-over games ahead of their one-day series in India. So we're going to be talking about all of that, along with our customary government-mandated Shane Warne side note as well. Lots to talk about then. Let's get cracking, shall we? Let's kick off the show with the item that we call Around the World, on which we talk about everything that's been happening around the world Uh, Let's jet across, first of all, to South Africa, where the Test Series is underway between the home side and New Zealand. The opening game in Cape Town was South Africa's first Test match at home for a year. Since then, they've gone overseas and conquered England and Australia, and a big crowd turned out at Newlands to, to see their heroes back in action on home soil, and they did not disappoint. New Zealand won the toss, elected to bat first, and their innings was over In 19.2 overs, they were all out for 45, which is an incredible figure, really, when you think about it. Vernon Philander taking 5 for 7 in 6 overs. Mornay Morkel 3 for 14. And Dale Stain got the other two wickets. Only one Kiwi batsman made double figures. That was Kane Williamson, if you're interested. I mean, the match was over at that point. Uh, It was very much just a case of going through the motions after that. South Africa made 347 for eight, declared with a century for Alviro Peterson. New Zealand actually came back into it a little bit by uh, by taking a few cheap wickets towards the end of that innings. And then they did much better with the bat. Uh, at one stage, they were uh, 229 for four, um, but they did end up 275 all out, a century from Dean Brownlee uh, and a half century from Brendan McCullum. But that was about it. And South Africa won by a massive margin of an innings and 27 runs. So this game had the feeling, I think, of a, of a huge mismatch even before a ball was bowled. But I don't think anyone 
could have predicted that it would be quite such a big mismatch. Uh, probably the only people, I would say, who enjoyed that 45 all out more than the South Africans uh, were the Australians, who, of course, were bowled out for 46 on this ground 14 months ago. Uh, New Zealand managed one run less. It's the lowest test total since 1974, eclipsing anything that Bangladesh, Zimbabwe, West Indies and England have managed in the last 39 years. It's the eighth lowest test total since the 19th century. Uh, so, I mean, you can't get around the fact that, you know, this is it was quite an embarrassing display. I mean, South Africa are good, but is anyone that good? What happened, do you think, Tone? Well, Philander happened, didn't well, he? Well, exactly, yeah. In a big way. Yeah, you know, he's on course, isn't he, to become very, very good bowler. Uh, <laughs> yes, he is. If he isn't already. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does take this kind of scorecard does take me back to our school days. You know, Kane Williamson would have got a standing ovation, I think, as he came off uh, <laughs> with, 13. with 13 in the uh, yeah in the scorecard. Our school team did suffer a number of embarrassingly catalog, yeah. low team totals. I think we actually were bowled out for 13 once. 13 was our lowest. Yeah, we were bowled out for 22 uh, in one game. We thought, oh, God, new low. We thought that was bad. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, we were bowled out for 13. And our opening bat made six. And he walked off with the score about nine for seven and we, we applauded him off. We were like, oh, he's batting like a dream out there. You know, the, these kind of collapses do happen. Teams do get bowled out cheaply. South Africa obviously got a very strong pace attack. You know, New Zealand, not the strongest side in the world. So, you know, in that basis, you did... You, obviously, everyone expected the uh, the South Africans to have the better of, of that matchup. You'd expect someone maybe to, to stick up stick of a hand in there but you know it happens well that's it I mean in a sense it doesn't necessarily make much difference whether New Zealand get bowled out for 45 and lose by an innings or they get bowled out for 120 and lose by an innings but you know there is this thing that we call pride and you know you don't want to be involved in a game where you get bowled out for 45. Well, I mean, seven down, though. Amla took an absolute, almost the worldie of a catch, didn't he, to, to get rid of Patel. Yeah, in that sense, yeah, maybe they were slightly unlucky not to get you know get away a bit and maybe get up to the kind of 60 or 70. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean... Well, as you say, it was really, really good bowling from South Africa. And, yeah, these sorts of things do happen. Not often, but they do happen. England got bowled out for 72 last year. That's only 27 more runs. Against West Indies in 2009, they got bowled out for 51, uh, which, if my mathematics is accurate, is only six more runs. Australia got bowled out for 46. Well, we thought that uh, that, you know, that was a, that was a remarkable score kind of score to tune into when they were about six or seven down. I thought they were going to be all out for about 28. Well, Australia won 21 for nine in that yeah. innings. 46 felt like they'd done all right. <laughs> yeah, um, they got but, away. But uh, but but no, I mean that that was a, a remarkable event when Australia got bowled out for 46 this has a, a bit more of a sad feel about it I don't, I don't know whether that's just because Australia are Australia and New Zealand are New Zealand but also you know England getting bowled out for 51 or getting bowled out for 72 or Australia getting bowled out for 46 while they were catastrophically bad batting efforts they did have the feel of aberrations really um, whereas this doesn't have quite the same feel I mean you, you wouldn't expect New Zealand to get bowled out for 45 on a regular basis but it was not so much an aberration as just a case of a pretty weak batting lineup getting exposed by very good bowlers. And New Zealand do have a massive problem in the batting, and they have had for quite some time now. Kane Williamson's got a lot of talent, and he demonstrated it with his 13. <laughs> um, and Dean Brownlee also, I think, showed in the second innings of the game that he has a lot of talent too. But there's a fragile look about that whole lineup. 
they haven't really helped themselves because they pushed out Ross Taylor. If listeners are unaware, Ross Taylor was the New Zealand captain in all formats, but then after they lost the one-day series in Sri Lanka, the selectors told him that they didn't want him to be captain in one-day cricket anymore. It's claimed that there was a miscommunication and that they still wanted him to be test captain, but he understood it that they didn't want him to be captain in any format. So he's resigned from that, has gone off in a huff. He's talking about coming back, but he's not playing in this series. So that doesn't really help him because he is comfortably their best batsman, I think. You know, the last test match they played in Colombo played a match-winning knock there. Possible similarities with the Kevin Peterson situation in terms of the team's best batsman that because of off-field difficulties is not there. But then... It's not quite like that, is it? Because I don't think that it's the the rest of the New Zealand players don't want him there. It, it doesn't really help anyone that Ross Taylor isn't in that team at the moment. <laughs> it's, ama- I mean, it's an amazing thing about cricket, isn't it? You could all, at any one stage, you could put together a world-class 11 out of players who have, for whatever reason, not like partaking in the, their team's fixtures. That's true. Uh, Jesse Ryder for New Zealand as well. They, the, these kind of players, who should, they should band together and form, you know... <laughs> There should be like a kind of an a, extra test side. A roving band of, of yeah. mercenaries. <laughs> Think it's the, of you, disgruntled if, kind of test test captains. If you organised a fixture against that side, though, they just wouldn't turn up. Like, <laughs> yeah. You'd get the crowd in, you'd rock up at the ground and they just wouldn't be there. Or a couple of them would be there, hung over. But anyway, yeah, so, so Taylor's absence is a massive problem, but him being there wouldn't have done anything to, to turn around this game for New Zealand. Um, they they just need some better batsmen, and I don't know what to suggest for them. Um, it's a shame because I think they actually have quite a decent bowling unit, or certainly a very promising one. There's no Tim Saudi in this series because he's injured, but he's been in sensational form for the last six months or so. And when he does come back alongside Trent Bolt and Doug Bracewell, who are, who are very exciting young fast bowlers, I think that's actually a pretty fearsome pace triumvirate. But if the batsmen can't get it together, then it's just pointless, isn't it? Yeah, it looks worrying as well when Gupta went for a duck in the second innings. Yeah, there was a suspicion there that it might be it might be New Zealand's last ever test match at that point. <laughs> just give up after that. But yeah, very different. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot, you know, an awful lot about New Zealand. Uh, I know enough, you know, it's a, I know I've got a passable knowledge of New Zealand. Here we go. But, uh, you know, from a, from a, it's a small country, you know, there aren't that many people, there are other sports. I don't know, you, you wonder where quality players are going to come from in quantity. Presumably that's always been a bit of a, an issue. That's well, why they're not the strongest team in the world. Absolutely. I mean, it, in, in many ways, they have been punching above their weight for a very long time to, have been, to, to be such a good cricket team because, you know, the, it is a country of four million people where cricket is not the number one sport, not even the number two sport. I mean, r- rugby union is a religion there. So it's a remarkable thing that New Zealand can compete in cricket against India, who have a billion people where cricket is essentially a religion in the long term they'll probably be okay they've just got to find some batsmen for someone they, they need to go back to the grassroots and work on some youngsters and maybe start and bringing some batting coming through bring some guys over from south africa well yeah. i think they are doing yeah. that actually there's this guy wagner uh, he's a bowler though have seen the a... x factor <laughs> <laughs> yeah the x factor contestant <laughs> wagner is going to turn out in the next game I think it is a bit unfair to just sort of slam New Zealand for this performance, though, because... Says the guy who just slammed New Zealand for for their performance. (laughs) Absolutely. South Africa were superb. You know, their bowlers are very, very good. I mean, as we say, they bowled Australia out for 46 a year or so ago. They gave England a torrid time in the summer. Vernon Philander just keeps on doing it, doesn't he? He just keeps on Vernon Philandering his way through (laughs) batting lineups. We've said all throughout his career so far that at some point he's going to find life more difficult. But it hasn't happened yet. He's still only played 13 tests, and so it is still early days. But he now has eight five-wicket hauls, which is absurd. 
74 wickets in total. He's averaging 17 with the ball. That number is getting higher, but only very slowly. He's averaging 13 in five tests at home. And even, I mean, there's a sort of perception that he might have had a less effective tour of England, but he still averaged 23 with the ball there, which is Malcolm Marshall-esque. How do you stop him? I don't know. I haven't got the answers to that. On a personal, from a personal perspective, I couldn't stop any bowlers. <laughs> not even like slightly, yeah, not even, not even Mitchell Johnson. <laughs> couldn't keep him out. He's a funny one though because he, I mean, he is obviously like a very, very good bowler, and he he's incredibly accurate. Bowls that nagging line, but he's not incredibly quick or doing anything particularly outrageous with the ball. He just moves it a little bit in either direction, and that is enough to destroy batting lineups the world over. Do you think it is just that accuracy, just that relentless line and length yeah. that he bowls? I mean, he because will... if so, I feel that I might still have a test future because <laughs> that's very much what I do. Yeah, how many five wicket holes have you got? What in my playing in career, career today? Yeah. Uh, when total? Yeah, give me a total zero. But I do have one four wicket hole when oh, I was that's... about fourteen. There should be a column for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he'll have tougher days when he than that. But but hey, you can only pull out a team in front of you. As they say. That's the expression. That's the expression, yeah. I believe, yeah. You, you only demolish the batting lineup that's placed in front of you. <laughs> Can you see any way back for New Zealand in this series? There are only uh, two tests, only one more. So they'd have to win in Port Elizabeth to come away with anything at all. Is there any possibility of that happening? Or are we looking at another demolition job? Uh, no, I wouldn't put any money on, on that, to be honest. I'll put some of your money on it if you want, but... <laughs> Okay, well, let's leave South Africa and cross the Indian Ocean. I wish we were actually going to these places. (laughs) To Australia, uh, where the Aussies have just completed a 3-0 whitewash of the touring Sri Lankans uh, with another comfortable victory at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Sri Lanka batted first and were all out for 294 on day one. Half centuries for Jaya Wardner and Tira Munna. Four wickets for Jackson Bird and three wickets for Mitchell Stark. Australia... Raced past that score, 432 for nine declared, 85 for David Warner, 87 for Phil Hughes, who, much like Spandau Ballet, is struggling to move on from the 80s at the moment, and a century for Matthew Wade, 102 not out. Uh, That was a lead of 138. Sri Lanka appeared to be doing pretty well in response to that when they were 132 for one, Uh, but then a collapse happened, and they were all out for 278, three more wickets, for Bird and three for 34 for Mitchell Johnson. The target for the Aussies was 141. There might have been a few nervous moments when they lost David Warner for a golden duck, uh, but Mike Hussey with 27 not out shepherded the chase and they got there with five wickets to spare. So it was a good way for the Australians to finish the test portion of their summer. Um, The first half, of course, was very disappointing, leading to South Africa, uh, but they've won all three games against the Sri Lankans. It's the second whitewash that they've affected in their last three test series at home. Uh, so, you know, an impressive job, you'd have to say, but there are much tougher challenges ahead of them this year, aren't there? With a tour to India coming up and then a tour to England. Savour the moment. I'd, I'd, that'd be my advice to the Aussies right now. You know, it, it's another kind of small nation that's struggling a bit again, which is a shame. Are you talking about Australia or Sri Lanka <laughs> at the moment? Yeah, and Sri Lanka aren't doing much better. <laughs> so, uh... Sri Lanka have had, have had a difficult couple of years in Test cricket since Muralitharan retired. And they did struggle to put together much resistance in this series. The batting crumbled repeatedly. The bowling was largely ineffective. Rangana Hirath is world-class, but he doesn't have much or indeed any support. I'm not sure that Sri Lanka have got even one test-quality seamer. Lakmal, Aranga, 
Velagedera, Kulasekra, Prasad. They were all tried at some point in the series. They all lacked penetration. As the old saying goes, you can only demolish the batting and bowling lineups that are up, <laughs> that you're up against. And Australia did do that three times in impressive fashion. Um, but do you think it says very much about their side at the moment? It's uh, well. I mean, it's, it's going to be useful confidence, uh, useful confidence booster. Michael Clark again getting runs in the series. Warner. He, I mean, Hughes did all right, didn't he? In the end, not too bad. I think he got three scores in the eighties and nothing higher. But yeah, I mean, you, but still average. You, you, know, you can't be too yeah. disappointed with that, can you? Hussey obviously dropping out, so it's one step forward, one step back at the moment. I think really, you know, the loss of Hussey and punting inevitable, but. They kind of they need to find a way to kind of move past those those two players. Well, yeah, and the loss of Ponting was very sad, but it was like okay, it's sad, but really we need someone better than this at the moment. But Hussey has been after Michael Clark, Australia's best batsman for the last two to forty-seven months. Why why is Hussey not playing the Ashes? Well, from what I understand, I'm not actually spoken to him, but from what <laughs> from what I hear, it's not so much that he doesn't want to play Test cricket anymore; it's that he doesn't want to go on tour anymore. Uh, he's had enough of touring. He can't then be in a position where he's playing home tests and not going on tour, so he's, he's retiring. What odds him playing, making an appearance in the home Ashes series? Well, it's not. That's a good point. That's probably not impossible. Um, yeah, Australia three 0 down in the series. You know, just trying to save face. Hussey back in. But yeah, so I mean, his loss is very damaging. Un- unlike Ponting, I think. Um, I mean, you've got to respect his decision to retire. I've seen some people saying, oh, why is he retiring when he's still doing so well? You know, we constantly lament that players like Ponting and players like Tendulkar have played on for too long. Hussey's doing the opposite. He's quitting while he's ahead. Well, people still want more. He should get some credit for that. But it does leave a cavernous hole in the middle order. And that batting lineup already has a bit of a, a vulnerable look about it. Hussey would have been the rock that kind of shored up the whole thing. And without him... If they've got to play Usman Khawaja or Rob Quiney or um, Callum Ferguson or someone like that, that is a big problem. Yeah, I, I quite like this Australian side, and I like what they've. I like the way they're going about things at the moment. And uh, yeah, you can't really, you can't argue with a whitewash. Uh, no, absolutely. In many ways. Could, it, it's be wrong to sit here and after this result go, well, they've got big problems. <laughs> yeah, cause I mean, they've they, got a they, promise, they, there's very a lot of impressive. promising things there. So, and the bowling has been extremely good um, throughout the summer, actually. Uh, they, they've got a lot of pace bowling options now. Jackson Bird is another one who, who's come in in this series and, and taken a lot of wickets. I think he's played himself onto the, the plane for certainly the India tour and probably the England tour as well. And Mitchell Johnson is back. You know, we talked about him on last week's show. Uh, you said that you, you sort of hoped that what he's doing is playing himself into contention for the Ashes because you think he'll then fail. I agreed with you, but he is looking impressive. You'd have to say he's taking wickets and he's scoring runs as well. I think he got a 90-odd in the second test. Are you at all worried? There will be a lot of people with egg on their faces if he does come over and blow England away. Yeah, it would be quite unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's vintage Johnson, isn't it, at the moment? So, yeah, if he can produce it, definitely, definitely worried. But I don't know. I'm still going to back him. To, to, to fall apart you're packing him to fail packing him to fail I'm right behind him well he said he's, he's quite fired up actually hearing interviews with him he's like got a load of unfinished business with the Barmy army he's, he's raring to go but he's going to be ticking isn't he because he, he's going to get so much stick but is he going to be too fired up yeah. that's the question and he does he reminds me so much of Steve Harmison periodically is completely unplayable does brilliantly in domestic cricket comes back in plays one test or a couple of tests where he's unplayable and then just totally falls apart again when it matters. So I still feel that that will happen, but it is a bit of a concern. 
I almost wouldn't mind losing the Ashes, but if Mitchell Johnson <laughs> is the reason why England lose the Ashes, I'm not sure I can handle that. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. Now, England have arrived back in India ahead of their five-match one-day international series, which begins in Rajkot on Friday. There's quite a lot of optimism in the air, or at least there was. Um, as we discussed last week, they had a magnificent year in 50-over cricket in 2012 with some eye-catching results, uh, not least the 4-0 whitewash of Pakistan in the UAE, which, which appears in some ways to be a reasonably instructive result. Um, they're also, of course, on a high because of their historic Test Series victory in the country before Christmas. So there are some quite good reasons to think that they can acquit themselves pretty well in this series. On the other hand, there are also a few reasons for England fans to be nervous. There's a new coach in the shape of Ashley Giles, in the Ashley Giles shape of Ashley Giles, uh, and several key personnel are absent. Graham Swan, Jimmy Anderson and Jonathan Trott are all being rested. They also have a miserable recent track record in one-day cricket in India. Their last two ODI series in the country have yielded 10 defeats and no victories. Uh, I think their last three ODI series have yielded 15 defeats and one victory. Uh, And they've got off to a decidedly poor start this time around. They've played two warm-up games and they've lost them both. Uh, They were beaten comfortably uh, by 53 runs by India A., Bowled out for 175. Ian Bell, the only man to make runs with 91. Even more alarmingly, they were beaten by Delhi. Uh, that after doing really quite well with the bat, Ian Bell runs again, 108, uh, as they made 294 for five. Uh, but that target was overhauled by Delhi uh, with six wickets and one and a half overs to spare. All the English pace bowlers going around the park a bit. So what do you reckon then, Tony? Are those two defeats a cause for concern? Can we read anything into those results? Or, I don't know, what, what, what's your feeling about England going into this series? Uh, I'd be slightly concerned, definitely, you know, off the, back of, off the back of previous ODI series in India. They could easily be getting very bogged down in that and, and come away with scratch. So, um, yeah, a bit concerned is the answer to your question. There's quite an unsettled feel about the team, I think, without those rested players i mean they are such senior men aren't they trot swan anderson swan i think would have been england's main weapon um do you think therefore that it was wise to rotate it might potentially cost england the chance to win a one-day series in india because i mean you would say that this is a very good chance for them to win a one-day series in india have they thrown that away by resting those players no because i mean even if england lose Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, I will probably have forgotten about it by kind of February, March. <laughs> if that finishes like right at the end of January. Uh, you know, I don't know. From a personal perspective... It ain't the be all and end all. It just feels like the kind of give a couple of the other guys a chance to to have a, have a knockabout before we go back on the plane. 
It's like a jolly boys outing in your your mind. Although, yeah, they're competitive matches, they feel very much alike to uh, friendlies in international football for me. It's just like kind of see what happens. And then obviously... 50 over cricket in general. Yeah. Well, obviously when you get to a a Champions Trophy or a a World Cup... A massive tournament like the Champions (laughs) Trophy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, No, but when you get to those kind of big tournament, international, what do they call them? Internet, what they live in, like a global tournament. Yeah, global, when you get to these global tournaments, global events, ICC global events, it becomes a different story. And I'm like, yeah, I'm taking note, but at this point, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, yeah, but in which case, it's all um, preparation yeah, so for these tournaments. Yeah. Then, so it is important. But also, it's the kind of thing I guess that if England do get beaten and beaten convincingly, you'll sit here and say, oh, I don't matter, I don't care. But if, if England were to go out and win four-one or five-nil, you would think that that's a pretty big deal and I do think that England have a real chance of winning this series because India are not in a very good place at the moment Um, so in some ways therefore it is disappointing that they're without three of their best and most senior players but then on the other hand as you say while it would be a shame if it costs England the chance to win a one-day series in India if it gives them a greater chance of winning the ashes then that's what matters no no one really would mind that at all in the absence of Swan there's going to be a big focus on James Treadwell uh, he took a couple of wickets in the warm-up game today. Is he someone you rate? Yeah, I mean, he can do a job. Yeah, can do a job for me. Yeah, he's not a kind of... Uh, he's not a box office name. <laughs> no, he? no, he's not. He doesn't regret the pulse racing. <laughs> uh, I think it might be to do with his name. His name and appearance, I think. Yeah. He's got the name and look of a journeyman cricketer. <laughs> but he has done well but for I England thought, yeah. before. Not least in a, a crucial group match against the West Indies in the 2011 World Cup. He's not going to let you down, is he? But whether he can provide the sort of wicket-taking threat against Indian batsmen that that Swan would have done, I I don't know. The rest of the bowling concerns me slightly. Steve Finn was sensational in India in 2011, but he's coming back from injury uh, and has got smashed around a bit in these couple of warm-up games. Bresnan is the only other guy in the squad who you'd say is first choice, and his loss of form is is, is well-documented. The other seamers who might play... Your Meekers, your Dernbacks, your Wokeses. They've got a lot to prove still. And if you look at the batting, there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a fragility about the middle order as well. If 5, 6, 7 is Kiesvetter, Butler, Patel, that's a trio with a lot of talent, but you worry that a collapse might not be all that far away. I like India A. Bell got 91, and then what was the next top score? Uh, 22, Bresnan. Uh, 19 from Peterson. Four from Patel, four from Morgan, six from Butler, none from Keysvetter, three from Wokes. So yeah, a few things to be nervous about there. But if it if it sounds like I'm being overly pessimistic, then uh, I apologise because I don't think that England should be written off here. Um, certainly, the way that they played in the Test series would suggest that there's you know a lot of good cricket behind these guys at the moment, uh, and they do have some enormous strengths, not least the top order batting. Cook, Bell. Peterson, Morgan is a formidable top four. If some or all of those guys have good series, England will post big totals. I think there's a lot of pressure on them to do that, but they're probably good enough players um, to be able to cope with that expectation and and deliver those big scores. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, India weren't getting bags of runs against Pakistan, were they? So uh, if the England bowling attack can kind of get its act together to any degree, they might be able to limit India to to kind of to some achievable scores. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the other reason why you'd say England have a pretty good chance in this series, in spite of their problems, because India are far from problem-free themselves. 
they might be looking at this series as a as a perfect opportunity to deflect attention away from their recent struggles from the, from the test defeat. A few bread and circuses just to uh, take everyone's mind off what's been happening. They're coming off the back of a 2-1 defeat by Pakistan in a one-day series. Their one victory was uh, was in the dead rubber at the end. That was the first bilateral series between the sides for five years. Losing that will have hurt them, won't it? It's not been a good win spread at all, and that will not help things. India really didn't play very well in those first two games. I mean, Pakistan were exceptionally good. Um, Nazir Jamshed scored centuries in both of the first two games. Um, and their bowling attack, we know, is world-class, and and they demonstrated it once again. We all knew what Saeed Ajmal and Umar Gul could do, and they did have excellent series. Uh, but there were also extremely important contributions from a couple of young fast bowlers. Junaid Khan, who took eight wickets in three games at an average of 12, and Mohamed Irfan, who uh, you might remember made his debut in a one-day series against England back in 2010. You might remember because he's not uh, that easy to forget. He's seven foot one, uh, which is pretty tall, and he does appear now to be developing the skills to back up that height. Uh, you, you'd think it must be quite frightening as a batsman to just have this like tree running into bowling. Uh, so yeah, he was he was impressive, and Pakistan in general were very good. But it does have to be said that India were not very good. And as you alluded to, the thing that will be troubling Indian fans most right now is that their batting keeps on failing. It was the root of their problems in the the Test Series against England and things didn't improve against Pakistan. Even in that game that they won, the batting failed. They were all out for 167. Gautam Gambir averaged 11 in the Pakistan Series. Virat Kohli collected 13 runs in three innings. Verinder Sevag averaged 17 and he's now been dropped you know, undoubtedly, they've got a, a power-packed lineup on paper, but cricket matches aren't played on paper. Um, I guess the question in this England series is going to be whether England's second-string bowling attack is going to be able to get on top of them in the way that Ajmal and Gull and Janae Khan were able to. Can, can Treadwell and Wokes do the same thing? I, I'm, I'm not sure. It could be. I mean, it could be a very entertaining series. It should be. I'd rather probably have seen another couple of uh, ODIs against Pakistan and then England only playing three that would that would have pleased me <laughs> that's just because you don't want to have to watch any one day cricket though. <laughs> no no also that the Pakistan matches would have been potentially more entertaining mm. did you suggest that to uh, to the organizers yeah I'll be putting it forward at the next chief executives meeting or whatever it's called I think we'll get invited <laughs> would you how will you be putting that forward I mean it's kind of too late now if you show up with that as your proposal <laughs> they're gonna you're gonna get laughed out the room well, maybe you could just propose that they always come to you first, for, just, for, for, just for clear, verification yeah, of, the, of the scheduling. No, that would be nice. It'd be nice to at least to know they're thinking about me. <laughs> Can I get a prediction then from you, Tone, for this England series? Uh, I'm going to say 3-2 India. Oh, wow, you're not backing England. Is that the first time ever? I don't know. I just I can't get excited about it, so I'll just <laughs> give it to India. Cripes. I'm kind of with you. I think, yeah, well, I can't go with the same thing. I probably would have gone 3-2 India as well. Maybe I'll have to go... I don't want to go 4-1, though, because I think that's too much of a mismatch. Maybe I'll go 3-2 England. I, I still think it's a, it's a very tough ask for England to win this series. They really should manage to avoid a whitewash, though. If they, <laughs> so. if they do lose 5-0, that will be rather disappointing. <laughs> the side notes now on which we talk about some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. Uh, I've got one side note and one side note only for you this week, Tone. It comes from BBC Sports, although really I could have got it from anywhere. 
Shane Warne banned and fined after Marlon Samuels' clash. Shane Warne has accepted a one-match ban and fine after a clash with Marlon Samuels in Australia's Big Bash 2020 competition. Warne, captaining Melbourne Stars against City rivals the Renegades, hit Samuels with the ball as he attempted to return it to the wicketkeeper. In return, Samuels, 31, threw his bat in the 43-year-old spinner's direction before an angry exchange at the MCG. Afterwards, Warne said on Twitter, quote, I went too far in trying to stand up for the team. I possibly don't need to say the word quote if I'm going to do an Australian accent, do I? Um, Warne had been angered by West Indian Samuels pulling back David Hussey when the batsman was turning for a second run during the Stars' innings. Former Australia spinner Warne was fined £2,900, that's 4500 Australian dollars, by Cricket Australia, with part of that for using obscene language in a match the Renegades eventually won by nine wickets. Warren will now miss the match against Sydney Thunder on Tuesday as his side aim for a place in the semi-finals. I've decided to accept my penalty of a one-match ban, said Warren. Let's hope the boys can win tomorrow and we can make the semi-finals. Thanks for the support, guys. Sport can be emotional and at times very passionate too. Samuels was also charged following the incident, although his case has not been dealt with yet as the player was injured during the match. Yeah, I couldn't quite understand that. I mean, he got injured. Why can they not hand out a penalty? Well, I think he was quite badly injured. I think he top-edged uh, Lassith Malinga delivery into his face. Um, so he was in the hospital. Although, is, yeah, you'd think it... by now, maybe someone could have popped around there and... Just said, like, just listen, said, mate, yeah, you're banned for the next game. Asked for his bank details. <laughs> just taking the chip and pin the machine round. I posted the video of this on our Facebook page, I don't know. Maybe listeners have seen it there. Uh, but, yeah, basically... Uh, Samuels pulls back David Hussey, which is weird. I still haven't seen that bit, actually. It's not in the no, video I've that I posted. That, that I tried to find it. I, I googled Samuels Hussey. Uh, I couldn't find it. I did find uh, a video of a man called Samuel Hussey playing the flute, uh, which was delightful, but it wasn't quite what I was looking for. Um, but, yeah, from what I understand, Hussey was turning for a second run and Samuels, like, grabbed his shirt and held him, which sounds quite bizarre. And I can kind of understand why people would be upset, but Warren was fuming and someone had lit a candle under him because he was, he was really letting Samuels have it. There's a lot of, f*** you, mate, and stuff. <laughs> at, at some point, he went and retrieved the ball, threw it at Samuels, uh, threw it towards the wicketkeeper. Yeah, I mean, he it wasn't returning, it was, he, was, he threw it at Samuels. Yeah, basically. he possibly threw it at Samuels. Uh, and then Samuels threw his bat over Warren's head, which was, again, quite bizarre. Strange, I've never seen a bat thrown. Yeah, and I mean that is actually pretty dangerous. Um, so yeah, it was it, it was all going on. It really was. It was quite bizarre as well because uh, the umpires have cameras in their their hats. Uh, there were other kind of you know warns mic'd up. So from, you got it all from a weird perspective. The cameras in the umpires' hats is really weird because it it looks like the camera moves with their legs, sort of thing. It tilts slightly from side to side as they're walking, which makes it look like some terrible. Uh, low budget horror yeah, movie. I feel like there should be some kind of like uh, HUD, so, you know, on the HUD. Uh, oh, yeah. What's a HUD? <laughs> yeah, uh, heads up display. <laughs> I've never heard that word. Before. Uh, you know, like Ooh, yeah, I think there should be some <laughs> some sort of HUD, maybe. Oh, uh, what don't you know? Huh? Oh, what don't you know? <laughs> don't you know what a HUD is? You know what I mean, though. No, I don't. What is a heads up? That, yeah. What is a HUD? No, me? you know, like there's no, but in a horror film, if it was like Robocop, you know, you'd have information. Oh, right, okay. Like, so kind, like kind a, of coming up on his eyes. Right, so. that's what that is. Like, yeah. a, it'll come up with target. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what we should be Scanning. seeing. I think, I think, you know, Channel 9 or whoever's showing it should be kind of overlaying that on to, onto the uh, the footage from the, the ump cam. 
I was. Just for our entertainment. Maybe yeah. sound effects as well. Like, Because <laughs> yeah. uh, to me, it's it's like you sometimes get movies where there's a perspective from like a swamp creature or something. So I want to hear, <laughs> yeah. hear like, <sighs> as they're coming in. Because I was sort of expecting Warren and Samuels as the umpire was getting closer and they were sort of jabbing fingers in each other's faces. I was expecting them both just to turn around and just scream. And run like, and kind ah! of like scramble. Yeah. yeah, It's kind of what it looked like. My, the thing that's most concerning me at the moment is I want to know what NASA Hussein makes of all this. Because bear in mind that he's deeply in love with Marlon Samuels, <laughs> but he also is like big mates with Warren. What's his assessment? NASA, I know you're listening. <clears throat> Get in touch and let us know what you make of this, uh, this situation. What about you, Tone? What did you think about it? Who, who's to blame? Were they both as bad as each other? Is it a case of boys will be boys, just a yeah. bit of harmless fun? Or is this, uh, is this something more, this is deeper, more troubling going on? No, I don't know. Yeah, it's just one of those things that happens. I think it was slightly elevated by the bat throwing, which is quite eye-catching. Uh, the violence of it, of the act of throwing the bat, was surprising. Uh, and also the, the, uh, the, you know, this kind of new fangled coverage of it kind of, I think, gave it uh, more gravity than perhaps it had. And it, yeah, obviously in the past, there have been much franker exchanges uh, exchanged. Well, perhaps. I mean, there's, there's been... You know, it's well documented, the very um, vivid language that is perhaps uh, used in, in exchanges on the cricket field. And, and it, it wasn't like Shane Warne has a reputation for being a fantastic sledger. And from what we heard there, it wasn't he wasn't at his best. It wasn't Oscar Wilde, was it? <laughs> it was, as I say, it was a lot of f*** you, mate, which makes me laugh because... The word mate there is like, <laughs> yeah. is ridiculous yeah. in that context, isn't it? But yeah, I think it, it was one of the most heated exchanges that I can remember seeing just because of, I guess, mainly because the fact that the ball was thrown and then a bat was thrown. I mean, there was actually some... Missiles. Yeah, some missiles but that, like, the, whizzing around. You know, the, the commissioner or the chief executive or whatever of the, the Big Bash League came out and said, oh yeah, it's great for the Big Bash League. Which is true. Well, I mean, it is, because yeah. suddenly BBC Sport are reporting on the Big Bash League when, you know, you wouldn't have known it was going on if you only ever looked at BBC Sport. <laughs> yeah. There's been a big reaction to it along the lines of, oh, we don't want to see this. Comes up a lot in football commentary, I find, that, you know, whenever there's any kind of uh, incident on a football f- pitch, you know, my, the commentator are always like, oh, this, oh, this is ugly. <laughs> no one wants to see this. As a spectator, though, is that true? Or do you want you to do, see it? You do, almost. You occasionally you regularly want to see it uh yeah absolutely i mean it didn't make either of them look great this could be it was certainly a lively moment that you will remember i was gonna say like you can imagine a fledgling premier league somewhere i don't know has anyone has anyone left yet in the kind of cricketing top table to launch a a premier league (laughs) not really not yet new zealand maybe maybe yeah, can maybe Samuels and Warren will be offered big money to go and reprise their kind of their <laughs> conflict. Do you think the whole thing was scripted to begin with? Do you think it was just a carefully orchestrated piece of theatre to try and get some more attention for the? Uh, it's possible. I mean, Warren though, he did. A, he's a good actor, if that's the case, because he did get. Yeah, if he was acting, it was very impressive. Maybe he didn't know what how. Maybe he knew that. All he was told that was Marlon Samuels was going to do something to annoy him. But he just couldn't believe how annoying. Maybe it was organised in very much the same way as The Only Way is Essex. <laughs> yeah. Where they sort of get where they get told roughly what's going to happen. But then they still have to think on their feet. Much like the Christmas songs at the ice rink outside my work, someone really ought to have put a stop to this episode of the World Cricket Show a long time ago. You had fun tonight though, Tone. 
I've enjoyed it. Has it helped with the January blues at all? I feel we've been, you know, operating throughout tonight in a kind of haze of January blues. <laughs> yeah. But are we pushing through it, would you say? Endorphins are plenty. I'm happier certainly now than when I came in. Maybe you're feeling a bit better now, but now I'm just going to remind you of the fact that you've got no money left. So, yeah, nothing uh, left to do, nothing left to give. You've got you've to go to work tomorrow. Last week, just before London correspondent Gordon McRae left to go back to London, where he lives... Um, as he constantly uh, goes on about. We went for a, a, a breakfast, didn't we? Uh, me, you and Gordon. A sort of farewell Gordon breakfast, it was. Yeah, um, emotional. We went, to, uh, we went to the boulangerie just for some croissants. Uh, about, about ten minutes in, you were like, lads, um, how do you feel about maybe moving this to uh, a, a cafe? And uh, we were like, why? You're like, I just fancy a full English. And we were like, well... I don't know if I really want a full English breakfast. And you're like, no, nah, no, it'll be good. It'll be really good. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were very reluctant, but in the end, you got your way, as you always do. And uh, we, did, persuasive. we did Very drive persuasive. to this cafe, went inside, and you were like, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. Went up to order, and then you came over to the table, and you were like, right, here's the thing, lads. Um, I haven't actually got any money, so do you reckon you could spot me for this? So we ended up thrilled. not only having to go to a cafe that we didn't want to go to, but then having to pay for your breakfast. And then it came over on two plates. So it looked like you'd ordered two breakfasts <laughs> and got absurd. us to pay for them. It was two I have to say, it didn't look good. Plates. From a distance, it wouldn't have looked good. <laughs> uh, a lot of circumstances, you know, they didn't accept card, which was my major problem. Uh, and also, even though I, you know, I carefully scripted the kind of bits of the breakfast I wanted... For some reason, they thought it was two separate orders. But they gave you a lot, though, because they were both full. Yeah, those plates. So it's, a, it's a scam. It's it a did new rather look like scam. you'd ordered two breakfasts <laughs> and got us to pay for them. Right. And uh, I, they didn't take card, but I think you knew that. I think you were fully the whole aware. Thing was a Marlon Samuels-esque ploy. Got screwed over Because I like going like for a... breakfast at the Boulangerie, but once you've had one pan of chocolate, where do you go from there? It's not enough. It doesn't constitute a breakfast. Why not have a croissant first and then a pan of chocolate? Because it's much the same, isn't it? Well, I mean, they also serve baguettes. But not a bre- You don't want a baguette breakfast. They also serve pan of raisin. <laughs> I, know, I don't want any more pan. <laughs> I want, like, bean. You know, it's, it's a good... Yeah. It's good, like, a, get, yeah, great. Race past the, the boulangerie, grab a pan. On your way to something. the cafe for a Yeah, exactly. But if you, if that's what you wanted, we could have just gone there in the first place. Although, actually, I'm glad we didn't, because that cafe is really depressing. I didn't find it too depressing. The tablecloths, it's like something from Alfida's own pet. Good breakfast, though. No, you didn't have any of it. No, you wouldn't let me have any of it. Actually, no, you, you got chips as well, did you? Did you have two breakfasts and chips? No. I definitely had one of your chips. But I couldn't afford everything, so I had bacon, sausage. You couldn't afford any of it. No, it's true. Bacon, sausage, beans and chips. Which isn't really breakfast. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not breakfast at all. Having said you didn't want a baguette for breakfast, that's just like... But I, I had to go, I had to prioritise. I had to go for the things, the, the main events, the beans, the sausage, the bacon and the chips. Uh, whereas, you know... Chips aren't part of a full English breakfast. Mm, well, where Hash I come browns, from. browns, mate. Where do you come from? Yeah, otherwise I would have had, you know, fried bread. Almost certainly oh, with that. Oh, no, not for me. Uh, which would have been essential. Fried bread, come on. No one likes fried bread. Fried bread is unbelievable. If you gave me a breakfast of fried bread, black pudding and tomato, um, I wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> anyway, that's about it for this week. If you like the show, do something about it. Uh, you can find us on the internet, cricketshow.net. Uh, you can buy a World Cricket Show t-shirt on there. Just £15, uh, which is roughly equivalent to about 24 or 25 US dollars, about the same figure in Australian 
$5. Free shipping to anywhere in the world. That's a great way to support the show, isn't it? Even yeah. if you don't want the T-shirt, just buy one anyway. Use it as a, you know, use it to, I don't know, dust. It's a good duster. Great duster. Other things. I mean, it's summer's just around the corner, obviously, as we, as we discussed at the top of the show. Yeah. So don't waste any time in sorting out your summer wardrobe. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, you know, there's not long left of summer. So <laughs> don't waste quickly. any time. Exactly. So either way, it's order now. That's the policy. <laughs> that's the, uh, the, the 24-7 policy. That's the beauty of the world game, isn't it? The cricket's world game is that uh, the, the places that it's played in. At any one time, it's always summer. Yeah, we've got people listening all around the world. It's always summer for someone listening to the show. Just not for us never at the moment. Never for us. Very rarely for us. <laughs> Almost never for Narrowly, us. Narrowly, uh, kind of once a year. There's another beast from the east on the way. Did you see this on the Express today? <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, the Express a nails weather. A second beast from the east is about to bombard Britain. When? Uh, Thursday this week, I think. Don't believe it. No. True, mate. Don't believe it. And by true, I mean it's in the Express. Yeah. So, yeah, so buy a T-shirt. The other thing that you might want to do is leave us a review on iTunes. If you just go to our iTunes page, you know where you download the podcast from. There's a little button there that says write a review. If you've got a spare five minutes, that does mean a whole lot to us. Because, you know, when when new listeners come across our show, it does really help if there are lots of nice reviews already. Thank you to everyone who has done that in recent weeks. You can send us an email if you like, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook facebook.com slash cricket show click the like button there follow us on twitter twitter.com slash cricket show you can follow tony on twitter at tony cover that's t-o-n-y-c-v double r you said last week that one of your new year's resolutions was going to be to tweet more yeah how's that going uh well i haven't really kicked in yet on that what was your other new year's resolution to read a book a week yeah that's i've just read a book <laughs> your, your New Year's resolution is to read a yeah, book, which I'm sorry, I've got plenty of time. You know, I'll probably start kind of de- you know, December twenty seventh, eighth. Yeah, uh, no, I will do it. I will do it. Our friend Patrick, good friend of the show, Patrick, said that uh, he asked his uncle what his New Year's resolution was, and his reply was more of the same, which I quite <laughs> like. like it's nice. It's heartwarming. Well, in a way, it is. Yeah, I'd, yeah, maybe I'll. Or it's limited. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of uh, lacking ambition. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the two. Either way, I've adopted it as my... <laughs> as well. it. Anyway, that's about it. Stay in school, lads and ladettes. And uh, we'll see you, ne- <laughs> we'll see you next time. You sign off. Bye-bye for now. So it's a business. I need to get to bed tonight. <laughs> I'm all right now, though. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a little three-minute nap just before. Really? Which is good, yeah. <laughs> then he texted me and said, leave. Leave now. Yeah. I was like, oh, I have to wake up, I suppose. <laughs> which is annoying. I thought that, yeah. Yeah. That was fine. I'm really hungry, though. Nice date. Pretty organised, actually, today. Oh.
Well, I can't. You can't eat before seven though for me, because then you get home from the podcast and you're hungry yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really you've got to just eat later. But thrilling stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just there's your, there's your intro there. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Adam Bayfield, and with me in the studio, I almost said my name wrong there, didn't I? You know me, I love Christmas, but this is, you know, it's at this pushing point. It. It's testing your, <laughs> yeah. testing your love. Second week of January, it's just depressing. I do hear, though, uh, that they're, they're, they've outgrown the venue, and they're going to move on next year. I know, I'm, so I'm really, pretty, really happy about yeah. that. They're moving it to somewhere else next year, and they are taking it down soon. It's quite a big field next to your house, isn't it? There you go. <laughs> At this point, we've got Blue Monday to look forward to, of course. I think it's January the 21st this year. It's what the old... Uh... What's that beeping? Is it just something outside? Didn't hear anything. Is that? No, there's a beeping going on. That was fire alarm, is it? Uh. You what? We got a beeping. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah, what is it, though? I don't know. Oh, God's sake. Not just started. All right, hang on. Um, who's struggling to get out of the eighties at the moment? Much like, can you think of a celebrity who's stuck in the 80s? <laughs> I think so he's died in their 80s. <laughs> he, what, he's stuck in the 80s? Uh, I don't know. Pat Sharp, wasn't it? Pat Sharp. True Dat. True Dat. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.